we're only 18 months waiting, so so not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Better late than never. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, I suppose it's within the two years. <laughs> uh, um, Yes, I think um, what most employers really have been waiting for is getting the guidance um, from the WRC around the guidelines in regards to when people request either remote or flexible working. Um, what are the guidelines in regards to saying yes or saying no? Is it an automatic right? Um, so I think that's the very clear bit for employees to understand is that it's not an automatic right, um, either flexible or remote working. Um, but the guidelines will allow employees to understand how they can request it, um, you know, what stipulations there may be, um, and also, I suppose, give them a language to, to, to discuss with their employers to say that under the guidelines, I should be able to be remote working. Okay, we'll get into the guidelines uh, uh, a mm-hmm. little bit more detail very shortly, but I'm just on this delay. Why, why has it taken Ireland a year and a half um, to finally get to this? Why did they miss that EU deadline? And was it for valid reasons? Um, not really, to be honest with you. The, what, what actually happened was that we rolled out the right to request remote working and flexible working. A lot of um, the um, employer organisations and employers um, said, okay, this is fine, but what actually are the guidelines? So they rolled it out without any guidelines. And so just allowing somebody to request remote working, employers need to understand that they're not going to end up in the WRC. They need to understand what the guidelines actually are if they're turning it down. So it took uh, it took 18 months for people to agree on the guidelines um, of what of how people can ultimately say no. Um, so, so that, to be honest, was just... From an employer perspective, a lot of the employment, the employer group um, and the government, it just took this long to come to an agreement. Okay, one aspect of the guidelines will be that employees will be able to request to work from home eight weeks in advance of when they would like it to come into effect. Their employer mm-hmm. must then reply to that request within four weeks and give reasons as to why they've come to that decision once the employee has six months of service. Are those sufficient time frames, Crystal? Um, I I think at this stage, and I keep I have spoken to lots and lots of employers to say that remote working has come into effect since COVID. So 2019, we're almost you know four and a half years later, and people have been waiting for guidelines. And I've spoken to employers to say you need to understand what your own company guidelines are, what you're actually comfortable with, and then obviously respect the guidelines. But if you're communicating to your actual employees to say, if you want to request remote working, let's have a discussion about it. I think eight weeks is probably a very short time um, to put in working arrangements. But on the other hand, what I would say is that um, employers should probably have a culture where they're not completely taken aback or that it's come out of the blue that an employee has asked for remote working, um, that they should have that open communication with employees to understand, to, to, communicate this this is our remote and hybrid working policy this is our flexible working policy and to actually communicate that out um out to people because eight weeks isn't isn't a very long time if you're looking at maybe supplying work equipment to people or changing hours or changing office space things like that so i think that the guidelines are there to for to put in a framework to put in a structure however that does not replace the fact that employers should be actively communicating to employees to understand if remote working or hybrid working will work for their job. What 
else will the guidelines contain? Do we have a sense of what else might be in there? What do you think will be a crucial elements of this that, w- that will be ne- a necessity in order for these guidelines and for the whole process to work uh, as well as it possibly can? So I think we also have to look in terms of, of what is possible with remote working. So say, for example, if you're working in a, a customer-facing role, for example, if you're working in retail or hospitality, you know, remote working isn't really going to work for that because you actually need to be in your job for that. So those kind of guidelines where you actually need to be physically present to deal with customers, that's obviously, that's a a guideline that will be there. But where we're going to see a little bit of grey area is that around the productivity because that's very difficult to prove. And for me to say that, well, I've been working three days at home for the last two years and I know that my productivity is has been up or I haven't dropped productivity um, that is going to be the I think the crucial part where employers will need to prove to show that your productivity is low at home and that's very difficult because a lot of employers are using that little card to say your productivity is low when they really just don't like remote working it's not your productivity is dropped they just don't like it because they can't see you <laughs> and, and is that the overriding issue here that even with these guidelines and you know short of stipulating you know if an employee requests remote working the employer yeah. just has to agree to it and and that's it ipso facto it, are employers just going to naturally, because we've seen since COVID, obviously remote work and working from home was a big feature of COVID. And since then, more, and we, we heard some companies saying, oh, we're going to keep this culture and bit by bit by bit, it has been eroded. It'll come back. Yes. And, you know, they've used the argument, well, other companies, our competitors have their employees back in the office. We, you know, we need to be able to keep pace with them. But uh, ultimately it comes down to employers just don't like not being able to see their employees and that even with these guidelines, they're going to find ways, some of them will find ways around granting requests to work from home. It would need to be for some exactly. really, you know, uh, exceptional family reason or, or whatever it might be that they will only grant this request. Exactly. I mean, if you are in an office space Monday to Friday, nine to half five, for example, um, and you, you've shown over COVID that you were able to work from home, um, you know, then... I can't see any stipulation where they can't, where they, they might not say that you want to work five days full remote, but why a, some kind of hybrid model would would be on the realms of being approved because you've shown that you can work from home. You've shown this two or three days. So in regards to the guidelines, we're assuming there's going to be things like that you need a safe and secure place to work. You need to have broadband, for example. Um, you need to be in an undis- undisturbed environment, things like that, where from a, your workspace, um, but in regards to employers just not liking it, that's going to be the area where it will be interesting to see over the next 12 to 18 months, will we see cases in the WRC where employers have just said no to the right to remote working on the basis of, well, we don't think you're able to remote work because of productivity or something like that. Mm, and I wonder, will Crystal, be- you know, we, we, if that happens, we will see some cases come before the WRC, but I just wonder, in the majority of cases where an employee's request to work from home has been denied, they'll weigh up the pros and cons and they might just decide, I can't deal with the hassle of going through this process, I'm just going to let it slide, yeah. and maybe the employers will be banking on that. And well, we're, we're seeing it in droves at the moment in regards to... Um, uh, 
companies are finding it very, very difficult to, to find employees, so to, to fill roles that they have. And a lot of it is down to the employees are expecting a hybrid working model. Um, so, uh, and we've seen it with the people who have left their jobs, moved into a hybrid working model or remote working model. So, you know, it's, it's, a, big, it's a big commitment to go to the WRC. So we'll see both. We'll see people who will just leave their jobs and go to a more working, a remote working friendly place. Um, or just, um, because the other thing to remember is that a lot of the things are kind of around the, the, the kind of the shadows or the dark areas where you don't see is that you may be granted remote working, but you're going to miss maybe the promotional opportunities or that kind of networking opportunities because as a culture, the company just doesn't like remote working. And, you know, for those employers who are listening and thinking I'm being very unfair to them and making them sound like they're all evil, um, you know, a lot of the employers will say, well, look, we have valid arguments against these kind of rights for employees. Some have argued that it would see administrative costs rise and that, look, you know, we're dealing with the cost of living crisis. Certainly, you know, we've seen half of SMEs in this country say that legislative changes such as the requesting the right to work from home will have a negative impact on their growth growth and recruitment plans, do those arguments hold any water, Crystal? And in what ways would the administrative costs be uh, impacted by somebody working from home? Because for some people listening, they might say, well, you know, if the employee's not in the office, sure, you can turn off their computer and <laughs> all of that stuff, you're saving money there, energy costs, certainly. Yeah, well, I suppose if, if, if you, it depends if you're talking about remote or hybrid. So if in regards you're 100% remote as a company, obviously you've got, you don't have the infrastructure of, a, of an office. But if you're hybrid, you need to have both. You need to have that the employee is able to work from home. So you might have to provide, so you do have to provide still a safe working environment in terms of desk and chair and an office, I mean, and, and desk and things like that. And you'll also have to provide that in the workplace as well if they're hybrid. So you'll be basically providing two sets of desks and chairs. So there is a cost and impact to that. But where I actually think that, that people are, uh, employers are, are um, being upset about is that it's over the last 12 months, we've just had a lot of change that is going to um, be expensive for employers. So it is the right to request remote working and flexible working. It's the sick leave policy has changed. Um, we're we're looking at will there be pension um, opt-in um, coming in this year. We're looking to see there's there's new um, domestic violence uh, time off. There's just so many time off that uh, I suppose expenses that have been put onto the employer. A lot of them are just looking at that. This is just another thing that in the cost of living crisis, it's another expense for us. Although I suppose that uh, there's nobody who uh, escapes being impacted by that. The employees can equally ar- argue that they're dealing yeah. with the cost of living and that if they can work from home or uh, all the time or at least have hybrid working, uh, the days when they stay at home, they can save on travel costs and fuel and yeah. buying lunches and all that kind of stuff. So that they can throw that argument right back at them. Absolutely. I mean, look at we. I our company is 100% remote. Um, I'm a huge advocate for remote, remote working. Um, some days my car doesn't leave the driveway. So you know there is huge. There's huge benefits for it. I think just for employers, it's important that you just understand as a company what remote working or hybrid working means to you. Also, kind of take away the stigma that people who are working from home are, you know, sitting in their beds and and working from their computer. You do need to treat remote working like it is a professional office that you're going to every single day, and that is a cultural impact that companies have to change and have to implement to their employ their employees.